audio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 19. Here's Pastor Ryan. If you see me in tears, do not be alarmed. I'm just blown away at God's blessing and, and just... To hear you guys worshiping the Lord in this place, it just sounds so beautiful and so powerful. And I know it pleases our Father, and I'm, I'm so blessed that He's receiving that kind of praise here at Sweet Hills. Amen? Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 19. We'll be beginning in verse 21. Yeah, I'm blown away that God takes ordinary people, people from all walks of life, unworthy people, sinners, and he cleans them up and he gives them eternal life and then he uses them for his glory. It's just such a tremendous miracle and I'm just in awe of our Lord. Let's pray and then we'll get right into it. Father, we just thank you again this morning for your goodness in our life. We thank you, Father, for the salvation that we have through your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. On the third day, you raised him from the grave, and he's at your right hand praying for us, Lord. We have gathered in his name, Jesus' name, your son, and ask, Father, that you would speak to us as we study your Bible. Lord, you know every heart in here, every person, Lord, who's here and those that are watching online. We just ask that you would speak to people's hearts in a very powerful way. Remove all distractions, all pride, all anger, all bitterness, any sin, Lord. And help us to receive your living word. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so the book of the Acts of the Apostles, right? The gospel is going forth throughout the known world at the time. The Roman Empire is the world power, as you know. The Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee and a persecutor of the church, God has changed his life and is using him mightily to get the gospel throughout the world. And in our story, he's on his third missionary journey, and he's in that ancient city of Ephesus, preaching Jesus Christ. And he spends about two to three years there preaching. And we're told that many Jews and many Greeks are coming to know Jesus Christ. And so it's a wonderful time for Paul the Apostle. God is, is moving there with miracles, with changed lives, so much so that all of Ephesus, those who believed, were bringing their, 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 their booklets and the, the, their books concerning the occult or the black magic, for they were very into, you know, satanic worship and various gods. And, and when they came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they brought these books and they burned them. And they were getting rid of their sin, if you will, literally, and burning them in the fires and talking of their deeds, how they used to be, but how now in Christ they are a new creation. And they are confessing to one another just their love for the Lord and their sins. And so it's a wonderful work of God's Spirit there. And then we, we begin in verse 21. It says here that when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, 
to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And so he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And so Paul is being led, he, he feels led to go to Rome. When he was saved, uh, it was told to him that he would go before kings for the Lord's sake. And Paul the Apostle's heart is set on going to the capital of the Roman Empire. I love Paul's heart. He has the message of eternal life. And what better place to go and to give that message than to the most populous capital of the empire, Rome, Italy. So his heart is set to go there. There's already a church there. It's a beautiful time for the gospel and for Jesus Christ to come into the world during the Roman Empire because they had revolutionized the road systems. We know that their infrastructure was amazing. So travel was just revolutionized and you can get to places a lot easier. So it's a perfect time for the Lord to come into the world and for his gospel to travel all around the known world. And we all know the saying, all roads lead to Rome. And so his heart is to go there. His heart is to go to a place where the gospel can be given out to more people. So he sends Timothy to Macedonia, but he's planning on going to Rome, but first to Jerusalem, and then eventually he will go to Rome. And so we read in verse 23 that about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. And the way is Christianity. And that was the way it was referred to in the early church. That, okay, so there was a great commotion. There was a great uh, to do about. There's a problem that has arisen because of Christianity, because of the way. And I love the fact that it was called the way. Because Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. So I think it's a good, you know, sort of name for Christianity at that time. It's the way. And I, I and I know you do, still want to be about the Lord's ways. Amen? Because his way is the truth. It is the life. It is the way. I like that. The way. There was a great commotion about the way. Verse 24, it says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so we see here that this commotion in Ephesus is being orchestrated by Demetrius, the silversmith, the man who 
made a living, a very good living, it said our prosperity or our wealth. He made a lot of money making these little uh, silver shrines to Diana. Diana was the goddess of fertility. And uh, the Romans and the Greeks worshipped her. And in Ephesus, it was really the headquarters of the worship of Diana. That is where her temple was. In Greek, Diana is Artemis. If you look up the temple of Diana, it'll come up as Artemis. And so this man who made a great living off making these little shrines is upset because people are no longer buying them. The worship of Diana, she was a fertility goddess. And so the worship was everything to do with sexuality, everything to do with prosperity. And the worship of her was really demented. It was filled with sexual immorality where there was temple prostitutes. And these little silver shrines were multi-breasted. So it was a very perverse and wicked goddess uh, worship demetrius is route up the whole city and they they are filled with wrath because their prosperity is in danger and whenever the lord is doing a great work of his spirit which he is in ephesus many people are coming to know jesus christ and whenever he is doing a work that way people are getting saved the devil will try hard to hinder that work. And that is what's taking place with Demetrius. Jesus Christ is doing a mighty work in that city, so much so that people are burning up their, their pagan books and they're coming to him. And so the devil is trying to hinder it, hinder the work, and so he's using Demetrius here. And so if you're new to the faith, and you are not too familiar with Christianity, but you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, Know that as you draw near to the Lord, the devil will try to hinder you from coming near and closer to the Lord. And if you're here visiting and you're not used to going to church, but you were asked to, to come here, or, or maybe you've been walking, you, you had made a commitment to Christ, but you haven't been as close as you need to be, but you've chosen to come to church today, know that the enemy is going to try to hinder that, try to distract you, try to bring all kinds of hindrances towards your life. We call it spiritual warfare. The natural man doesn't want to draw close to God. And the devil knows this about people. So he will use people's flesh. He will use circumstances. He'll, he'll have spouses bicker before church. Kids go crazy. Cars breaking down. You name it. Extremely physically tired this morning. Whatever it may be. But the enemy knows that the flesh is weak and will try to hinder people from coming to Jesus Christ. And we call it spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, we're told that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need to remember that Satan is trying to hinder the work of the Lord, especially today. Because as we read that Demetrius is rising up against the faith, against the way, without a doubt, Satan this year has been on a, a rampage against the church. And so there's new believers. I, welcome to the family. Stronger is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
There are some of you drawing close. You're, you're interested in Jesus Christ. Keep coming. Keep listening. Keep, keep seeking the Lord. You shall find him if you seek him with a sincere heart. And so the enemy is trying to hinder. And there are also some of us who have walked with the Lord for some time and have forgotten the reality of the spiritual warfare that we go through. Have really lost sight of the reality of Satan's tactics against us. And I think as Christians, we need to be sharp concerning the spiritual warfare that arises. That as we desire to come closer to the Lord, the enemy is going to try to hinder that. Just like in Ephesus, God is doing a mighty work. And Demetrius is, you know, getting the city together against Paul, against the disciples. Why? Because the devil ain't happy that people are getting saved. And so there are some perhaps seasoned saints, some veterans who have forgotten Satan's tactics. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul was talking about forgiving the, sin, the brother who had fallen into sin. He said to forgive him lest Satan should take advantage of us. And then he says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So Paul was letting the church, like just that reminder, we're not ignorant of his devices. We should know without a doubt Satan does not want the church to gather. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. Satan does not want the church to gather. He does not want the church to fellowship intimately. He doesn't want the church to be in the word of God. He doesn't want the church to pray. He doesn't want the church to honor and serve Jesus Christ or to praise him. These are basic tactics of the devil. And he is such a deceiver that even... You know, Christians this past year have had to be reminded, don't you know that as the governor shuts things down, that the church down, that Satan rejoices over that? His tactics. We can't be ignorant of his devices. Paul would say to the church at Thessalonica that he desired to see them. He desired to visit them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. We endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. He said it. Satan hindered us. Demetrius standing up here, the silversmith, he's losing his prosperity. To him, it's about the money, but, they, but Satan's using him to somehow stop what's going on in Ephesus. Stop the people from coming to Jesus Christ. Is there anything that you feel Satan may be hindering you from doing for the Lord? Is there anything that perhaps in your life, Satan is hindering you from doing for the Lord? Do you not fellowship often? Are you one of those who goes in and out of church without spending any time with anybody, not getting close with anybody, not interacting with brothers and sisters as the early church did? Do you love God and love your family, but not necessarily love others? Are you crippled with fear and anxiety? Is there issues at home that you do not want to deal with? Are you quitting in your service for the Lord? Which way would Satan cheer? That we serve the Lord or we don't. That we engage other believers and step out of our comfort zone and love one another. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself or just say hi bye every Sunday, hi bye every Wednesday. Or are we stopping and saying, you know what? I'm going to give this to God because God came to change me. He did not call, come to keep me the same. 
And I can't make excuses for human weaknesses. We do what God calls us to do because he calls us to do it. And he who calls you is faithful who will also do it. I'm getting used to preaching to a lot more people. We prayed for the church to grow. Now look at this. Give me some time to get used to it. But I'll, I'll be up here. They say that the top five most fearful things is to speak in public. And I know, you know, the Holy Spirit makes it look easy, but I tell you, as the church grows and grows, I'm sitting here like it's a lot louder, it's a lot crowder, it's a lot everything. It's a lot to get used to, but I'll try with God's help. I don't want to go back to the days when there was just 30 of us, because God can do whatever he wants to do. What I'm saying is my human weakness cannot be an excuse to not do the job that he wants me to do. I'm sorry, if we love God but hate our brother, the Bible says, you know, we're, we're warped. We have to engage one another. It's not, a, it's not a maybe, it's not a suggestion. We have to love one another as Christ has loved us. And there's some that, you know what, if it's too hard to love, it's too hard to do the things that God calls you to do, then spend time in prayer. Because he who called you is faithful who will do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, whether you're anxious and worried and fearful, whatever. The Bible is clear on what God wants you and I to do. And Satan wants us to do the opposite. He wants to shut everything down. His, one of his oldest tactics is to isolate people. To separate people. To divide people. So think about it. Is there anything that you feel Satan is hindering? And, and trust you me, our, all our flesh wants to do is eat Scooby snacks and sit on the couch. That's it. But in the spirit, we want to get up and move for the Lord. We want to work hard for the Lord in the spirit. And the, flat, and the devil just, you deserve rest. Don't go to church. You're spiritual enough. Stay home. Read the Bible by yourself. You're fine. You know what he says. You don't need a church building. You can do church at home. We can do church anywhere. But this is where we're meeting. So that we can look in each other in the eyes and say, how are you? Can I pray for you? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul would tell him, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Are you fighting the good fight? Or is Satan rejoicing? Yeah, sit on the bench. Sit on the bench. You're fine. You're good. You love God. You tithe. Don't worry about it. Guys, he's given us hands and feet. We can, we can serve him a mouth. We can serve him. You know, there are people that are crippled in this world who cannot move like you can move. Who cannot handle things the way you can handle things. Some of us are young and we don't do anything. We need to serve him. We need to be involved. Satan wants us to do nothing. I want to sweat for the Lord. I want to be tired sometimes because I serve the Lord. I want to be out of my comfort zone. That's a step. Of, that's called a step of faith. There ain't no safe spaces anymore. We want to serve the Lord because Satan's trying to hinder Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. 
He's telling all the other craftsmen, all the other guys, you know we have our prosperity from this trade. You know we made feria. You know we make a great living making these shrines. And our living is at stake here. If more Ephesians become Christians, they're going to stop buying these idols and we're going to go out of business. To Demetrius, it was about his livelihood. It was about his prosperity. But to me, Demetrius is a picture of the state of this fallen world. Demetrius is the world. The, The world is concerned with its own business. People out there, people even across the street in this community around, they're concerned with their own business. My life is my life. My business, my family, my little box, that, that's what's important to me. No time for a God that calls me to repent of my sins and to change and to come to him and to serve him. There's no, none of that. He is a picture of the world. Our prosperity is at stake. Man cares about his own business, his own life. He wants to do his own life. Turn with me to Mark really quick, please. Chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Give me an amen once you are there. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You ever think about this fallen world, the, the, the most lamest excuses for not coming to Jesus Christ? Even when I was in the world, I knew, I knew that if, if I gave my life to Jesus Christ, there was going to have to be changes. That I couldn't live the way I, I, I was living. Whatever that looks like to the world, it's different for every person. But I knew that I liked living in my sin. I liked the idea of giving my life to Jesus Christ and having eternal life. You didn't have to tell me that he was God. I believed that Jesus was God even before I came to know him. I knew he was God. But I said no thanks to that because I wanted to live in my sin. And there are people out there that we need to pray for that are so lost. They think, you know what, if I come to the Lord, then there goes my schedule. I'll have to wake up on Sundays. I'll have to be involved. Some, some it's, it's, it's sin of every type. I'll have to end this relationship. They know, fornicators know that they can't live in fornication and be Christians. Adulterers know they can't do that and be Christians. There has to be repentance. There has to be change. The self-righteous will have to... What did Jesus say? Whoever desires to come after him must deny himself. That means that the world, all of us, no longer live for our own will. It isn't about what you and I want anymore. It's about what he wants. He's our Messiah. He's our King. He's our Savior. And whatever he wants... He should get from us because he saved us from all of our sins and he suffered a 
terrible death on the cross for our sins. So whatever he wants, he should get. And Demetrius isn't concerned with that. And I know people within my life, friends from the past, you know, they, they love the idea of Jesus. But they still want to live their own life. They think maybe when they're older they'll come to them. They want to go and play around and, and live in sin. And then when they find the right person that, that's pretty enough or handsome enough, then they'll settle down and then they'll go to church. But if they die before their plans pan out, they go to hell, not for a little bit of time, for eternity. For eternity. For a crust of bread. When all they had to do was give their life to Jesus and... Let him bring the spouse or whoever. And then go have fun in the marriage bed. As God had ordained it to be. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.